0: Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Thank you, Sky Keasy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. We have a jam-packed show for you. I'll preview the Union Women's College hockey season, which gets underway Friday. And the Gazette's Adam Schindler uh, stops by for his weekly look at Section 2 high school football. Well, you know my first guest very well from his years as a sports anchor at WNYT News Channel 13 and his great work for CBS Sports. Last week, he was named to the uh, Syracuse University radio station WAER Hall of Fame. Please welcome Adam uh, Andrew Catalan to the podcast. Andrew, welcome to the podcast and congratulations on the award well-deserved.
1: Hey, Ken. So great to hear your voice, and thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a big honor, and I'm glad to be with you.
0: Well, before we get into talking about that and how much of an honor it is, I'm going to play the clip of you on Adam Shine's show last week on CBS Sports Network, uh, the Time to Shine show, about the induction, because I think he caught you a little off guard. Let's play the clip. <laughs> Hold on. There you go.
2: Before I let you go, I am being told... We have some breaking news I want you to respond to. This just in, Andrew Catalan is the newest member of the WAER Syracuse (laughs) Hall of Fame. Your reaction on this incredible news? Are Are you serious? I am dead serious. Congrats on making it to the WAER Syracuse University Hall of
1: Fame, my friend. You're the best. Wow. That's, uh special uh thank you adam it, it means a lot coming from you um we both went to waer and uh, i was the guy for your induction and uh and that that's uh overwhelming uh, that means a lot to me waer means the world to me syracuse does that's where i met you so many great friends that i'm still in touch with at waer and uh that that is uh that's really neat that you did that this way, and I really appreciate it. That means the world. Of course. Ian Eagle, Marv Albert, Bob Costas, Marty Glickman,
2: Mike Tirico, Sean McDonough, Andrew Catalan. I'm telling you, <laughs> I got the chills up and down.
0: Congratulations. No one deserves it more than you. So, Andrew, you were caught off
2: guard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can say that for sure, Ken. No, I, You know, Adam had asked me to come on and talk football, which we did before that clip, and I just assumed the interview was over. I you know, I had no idea, not even a clue that it was up for discussion. This was completely out of the blue, and you could hear my reaction. It was emotional. I mean, that, that radio station means so much to me, as does all of Syracuse University. But that radio station was basically my fraternity. Um, that's where I, I called games and met some of my great friends who I still have today, including Adam. So to to receive that news and the way they did it was uh, was emotional, special, and I'm really touched by
0: it. You know, uh, Adam mentioned some of the names that have gone through there, but me other people like uh, Dave Pash of ESPN and uh, the voice of the Arizona Cardinals, Lou Reed, the great musician. uh, He was he was in that station there too, and uh, uh, Dick Clark. (laughs)
1: Jeez.
0: The reputation of that station, I mean, just you know, as we, as uh, like I said, I had mentioned those names. To be a part of that, to be inducted, what does that mean to you?
1: You know, it's not something I think when you're going to school, you ever think of. Like, uh, at least I didn't. You know, I didn't think of, oh, I want to be on that wall one day or be in that Hall of Fame. I mean, I just, you know, when when you think back to your days in college, it's just trying to get all the experience you can, trying to make friends and, and trying to get a job for when you graduate. I mean, that was my real goal is to have enough experience on my resume to find someplace to work after graduation. Um, so now to, to look back and to, to join that list of incredible names that you just mentioned, and some of the ones that Adam did, um, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's really special, and I think it'll continue to hit me throughout, uh, leading up to whenever we end up doing the ceremony. It's just, um, it's a fantastic honor, WAER. As I said to Adam, it means the world to me. I still stay in touch with a lot of the current students there, and students who have just graduated, listening to their tapes, because giving back to that thing, uh, that station is, is everything to me, because it gave me so much.
0: Yeah, I was involved in the college radio at York College of Pennsylvania's uh, WVYC, and the one thing the friendships you form, but also the, the the lessons you learn in there. You know, you, you're not there just to do sports. I, mean, I, I was a DJ, I was a program director for AM and FM stations, later the station manager, uh, did news. That you you have to cut your teeth in, in a lot of areas, not just one area. And so how important was it to, you know, be able to not only do sports but do other things with the station?
1: Oh there's no doubt I mean you know just the process at W A E R to get on air is incredibly long I mean you I didn't get on the air until my sophomore year all of freshman year you're you're writing uh, updates and you're getting them critiqued and you know then you're as you pointed out Ken you're doing once you get through you're doing you know, you're cutting tape. I mean, back then, we were actually using a razor blade. Oh, yeah, I, remember those, days. Yeah, I
2: remember those days. <laughs>
1: remember those days? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to explain that to uh, an 18-year-old these days. But, um, yeah, I mean, so all of that stuff, uh, you think about the editing, the writing, and then the delivery of it. I mean, uh, the skills that, that that we all learned at WAER certainly have served me well throughout the rest of my life.
0: Did you have a uh, Associated Press teletype in there?
1: i trying to say, we, we had, yeah, we had, I remember the razor blades and then editing tape together and then trying to explain that to someone, they're like, what are you talking about? It's, it's even hard to explain, but I'm glad that you can relate.
0: I mean, I mean, I, we used, on our AM station, we used carts to put the music on. I don't, I don't think they use those anymore.
1: No, I know. I remember the carts. We had to bulk the carts. I yeah. remember that to erase yeah. them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> those were great times, man. I, yeah, I remember that day. The kids have it too easy now, I think. So, <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned the goal, of, you know, getting a job. I mean, how how tough was it uh, after you graduated? Uh, and what year did you, what years were you there at W A E R?
1: My freshman year was ninety seven. I graduated Syracuse in 01. And you know, I think another part of that radio station is just learning how competitive this business is, because when you go to graduate. There's 200 other people applying for the same job as you, including some of your your really close friends. So, you know, it's a different business. I think it was a great uh, learning ground for all of us. And then I was lucky enough that one of my professors at Syracuse knew a news director in Burlington, Vermont, uh, and put me in touch. And a couple weeks after I graduated, I just packed up the car and moved to Burlington. So I was pretty fortunate that I was able to find a job uh, so quickly uh, after graduation. But it was really because of my work at WAER and my Syracuse education with our Syracuse professor professor it was actually Dow Smith who used to work in the Albany market for a while he was the one that put me in touch and uh away we went but I, I think I was just I was very prepared for that first job because of what had happened the prior four years
0: mm-hmm. of course then you come to uh WNYT what was that like working there
1: well it was fantastic I mean you know my radio my television station in vermont after two and a half years of being there folded up shop. We, we literally had a meeting on a tuesday in september in 2003 and the meeting was we're all out of jobs we're closing up the station in four days Jeez. so yeah so in september of '03, i i was out of a job i got severance for like six weeks and um you know again was preparing to move home. I uh, didn't know if I was even going to continue on because it's such a difficult business and, uh, in this field. And I was lucky enough where I got an interview at WNYT. I remember going down to Menans for the interview and thinking I got along pretty well with Roger, but I didn't know if the news director, Paul Conte, loved me. And you know, I knew there would be a lot of other people going for that job. So I didn't really know what to expect when I left. And thankfully, I was offered the job. So I I was out of work for just about two months. And then I started Thanksgiving weekend of 2003 uh, at WNYT. And it, it was a great run. Almost ten years there. Met my wife there. Still keep in touch with a lot of people there, including Roger. I got to connect with him over the summer. We were able to catch up. So it, it was um, it was a great place, and it was uh, certainly I was so fortunate to get that job after I didn't have one uh, after what transpired in Vermont.
0: The transition from sports reporter, sports anchor to play-by-play. You start doing some. Uh, Olympic stuff, the curling uh, during the Olympics, I mean, uh, was, looking back on that, was that a tough transition or an easy transition?
1: It's interesting because, you know, obviously this conversation started about WAER, and that was, I just called games there for the most part, and that's what I thought I was going to do, was play-by-play when I was in college. And then my senior year at Syracuse, I did an internship at a television station uh, in Syracuse, and just really kinda of like that lifestyle, the, the, the local T V news, anchoring. I just kinda of thought that fit me a little bit better at that time. And then I got the job in Vermont, so away we went with anchoring and local television. But you know, my my whole you know, training was really in play-by-play. So I did very little play-by-play in Vermont. There was not a lot of opportunities to do it. And then when I got to Albany, you know, with Time Warner Sports, which I know is now Spectrum, you know, a couple of games here and there. And then there was a production house in Saratoga that's still there, Carr Hughes Productions. I got in with them. I started doing some Olympic sports, as you pointed out, and just kind of really missed um, being at the games, and doing play-by-play, so I think it just kind of started morphing back to what I did in college, and and that's kind of why I I made the transition, so, you know, it was a strange path, I don't know if it was a weird transition, because I had done so much play-by-play in the past, but it's certainly not a path that you, you really do, where you go from, you know, play-by-play play to local TV, back to play-by-play, play. Um, but but that's just certainly where it took me, and uh, I've had some great opportunities since that I'm very thankful for.
0: And then uh, CBS Sports comes calling, and uh, talk about how that happened and the excitement when you got hired.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I was doing Olympic stuff for NBC, and I was in good with them, and then, you know, through them, I, uh, I found an agent, which uh, becomes... You know a part of this business uh, in a sense so my agent was the one that said hey you know cbs sports is doing uh, the u.s open tennis in 3d and this is an opportunity for you to call some tennis they'll listen to it. it's more like a test run for 3d which obviously ended up failing yeah. and uh, but that was my way in the door so in 2010 the first event i ever did with cbs was u.s open tennis in 3d that about Fifty people may have watched because nobody had a 3D TV. It was just really my bosses and then and, and, uh, my current bosses, and, and that was how I met them. And then you know that was a big opportunity to, to get in with them. And then I, I uh, they brought me to the Masters the following year to do some digital work at Augusta National, which was a dream. And and then. By having done some preseason football games, both for the Giants and the Cleveland Browns, I had an NFL tape, and they needed somebody uh, in the fall of 2011 just to pinch hit. And that was me. It was me and Steve Tasker, my first ever game. I did not sleep the night before the game. It was Buffalo at Cincinnati. It was going to about 2% of the country. Um, but then, at the two-minute warning, it went to 100 percent of the country. as Cincinnati, hit a field goal to win it. So it, it was um, it, it was a great way to get in with them. And you know that from that point on, it became more and more and more until I ended up leaving WNYT in 2013.
0: Yeah, you do NFL games. You do, like I said, the golf, college basketball. What is that like? Uh, I mean. Travel, preparing, What what is what is a typical, uh, especially the NFL, what's a typical week for you leading up to the NFL?
1: Yeah, football is by far the, the most time I spend prepping. It's, it's really every day. Um, you know, I'm home Monday through Thursday, I still write out my boards on a manila chart with colored markers and pencils. You know, that's one thing. You know, a lot of people use a computerized chart, but I find I retain the information better when I write it down. So Monday through Thursday, I'm reading newspaper clippings. I'm writing my boards out, you know, Picking out which stats I might want to highlight on the broadcast, watching game, you know, games from the week before so I'm familiar with the, each team and, and what they're just coming off of. And then on Friday, I usually fly out to wherever I'm going. In this case, I'm going to Chicago. Uh, they play the Texans this week. So I'll go right from O'Hare to Bears practice, watch them practice, meet with the coach, the quarterback, couple of players. Saturday, when the away team lands, go to their hotel meet with their quarterback coach and a couple of players Sunday, call the game Sunday night, fly home. And then Monday start all over again to the, whatever the next game is. So football's intense. It's 53 guys on, you know, on each side. And, you know, we look at a college basketball game, it's usually eight players on each team. So it's, you're talking about a lot more, uh, players in an NFL game. There's a lot more information, too. I mean, there's everywhere you look, there's there's content about the NFL, and you want to be up to speed because, you know, Ken, you're watching every single Eagles game every week, yes. but if I get assigned an Eagles game, you know, I haven't watched all their games, so I don't want you to tune in and be like, well, what is this guy talking about? He doesn't remember what happened in week four when Jalen Hurts ran out of bounds, you know, in the red zone, you know, so like that, those types of things, you know, I want to. I don't want to be caught and get exposed. So the amount of prep that goes into a football game is very intense.
0: Yeah, you might hear from me if you say something wrong. About me. <laughs> 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 they had a great win. They had a great win Monday night against the Vikings, probably their most dominating performance in a while. So, uh, speaking of football and preseason games, you call the Buffalo Bills games. Bills, my goodness, Mother Monday night game. Uh, they just throttled the Tennessee Titans. What do you think of the Bills? I mean, is this a team that could contend for the Super Bowl?
1: Oh, 100%. I have them as the favorite. You know, this was my seventh summer of doing the Bills preseason, so I've had a chance to really watch the GM, Brandon Bean, and the head coach, Sean McDermott, grow and build this thing that they have now, which is just incredible. Um, They have such a great culture there in Buffalo, and Josh Allen is a superstar, you know, with all the weapons he has around him. You know, I think that Ken Dorsey, that was one of the questions coming into the year. How would he do as offensive coordinator replacing Brian Dable? I think Dorsey is certainly up for the challenge. And I think a guy that not enough people talk about for a head coaching job or even the job that he's done the last couple of years is Leslie Frazier. Obviously, he was a head coach with Minnesota about 10 years ago. His defense is really playing well. They, they all know where they're what they're doing, where they're going. And I would be shocked if Leslie Frazier doesn't get some serious recognition uh, to be a head coach in the offseason. But it's all there for Buffalo. If they stay healthy, I think they have the best team. And and then it's trying to get that home field advantage for the playoffs because there's only that one team now that gets home field throughout. Um, There's only one bye, rather, I should say. So I I think that's a big thing. If if they can get teams to go to Buffalo with that type of atmosphere and that home field advantage, they're going to be really tough to beat.
0: Yeah, big test for the Bills coming up on Sunday as they go down to Miami and uh, the incredible uh, comeback by the Dolphins against the Ravens. So I, did, I mean, the I, I think these two teams could be battling for AFC East and then the Patriots and the Jets are left in the dust.
1: Yeah, you know, Miami has surprised me a little bit. Obviously, that incredible win, as you pointed out, against Baltimore. It seems like, uh, you know, very quickly, Tua is, is playing some of his best ball. I know it's only been two games, but just even the way that he – you know, talks and carries himself and the way his teammates talk about him, um, that, that's a really intriguing team to me. And you're right. Uh, you know, it's it, it's very possible that it could be a, a two-team race. I, I never count out the Patriots. I, I know that they didn't, you know, look great week one uh, down in Miami, but I, I still feel like it's hard to count them out. And, you know, I did the Jets week one game, and I, I know that, uh, you know, they had an. Phenomenal win in Cleveland. There's still a lot of pieces there in the Jets. So, you know, it might take some time, but these draft picks they have, I'm really impressed by, especially Sauce Gardner. And we'll see what happens once Zach Wilson can get back. But it's still Buffalo to me. That would be the team team to beat in the AFC. East.
0: Uh, you of course we uh, you mentioned you do some golf, and uh, there's been times where you've uh, been the uh, lead announcer when Jim Nance has taken some time off. Be, down the road, I mean, do you as CBS talk to you about? uh, taking over Jim once he decides to hang it up.
1: No, nah, no, that's, that's not a conversation. I expect Jim to work for a, a long, long time. I'm just, a ha- I'm so happy to be a part of that crew whenever, you know, whenever Jim's off and then, you know, i am call the masters, uh, you know, which I've done the last couple of years, uh, with, with Jim and that entire crew is, um, it's a dream. I, I've loved calling golf more than I even thought. Um, and, and just any opportunity I get to do it, it was about five event, five tournaments this summer that Jim took off, and just to be with that great crew which is changing a little bit as mm-hmm. you know Nick Faldo retired and now Trevor Immelman's going to be our lead analyst but you know one of the great things has been working with Dottie Pepper I mean you know I knew her a little bit when I was in you know at WNYT and would see her at certain events but now to to be out there a handful of times a summer and have dinner with her and catch up with her that has been so special for me and, and um, that entire crew has really treated me well.
0: Of course the uh big sort of a civil war going on in in men's golf with the uh, PGA tour and the uh, Saudi backed uh, LIV tour. Do you get a sense that there's really hatred between these two leagues?
1: I'm not, I wouldn't say that I I have that sense. No. I mean, um, you know, obviously I, I kind of know as much as you do. I read, you know, just some of the quotes and the comments and, kind of keep tabs of what's going on. I'm not really talking to the players about it, so I wouldn't have any insight on that. Mm -hmm. You know, I just feel like it's, um, you know, certainly it's fractured right now, and uh, I think time will tell what happens in the future. But, um, you know, for me, in in my perspective, you know, I'm I'm covering the PGA Tour, so as much as I am a golf fan and enjoy playing a golf for work, my job is to cover the PGA Tour, so that's what I focus on. I think they do a lot of great things, you know, giving back to the community, the, the competitiveness of keeping your card. Those are all things that, that appeal to me, so that that's kind of what I focus on.
0: What would you say your most memorable call is?
1: My <laughs> most memorable call, well, you know, in the NFL booth, you never know what's going to happen and some crazy things have happened, but I would say that in the NCAA tournament um, in 2015, when it was Baylor against Georgia State, and we were down in Jacksonville. Baylor was the three seed. They were up pretty big, and Georgia State made this late comeback. And if you remember, it was R.J. Hunter and his dad, Ron, was the head coach at Georgia State. Ron had ruptured his Achilles, I think, the week before, celebrating their conference championship. Mm -hmm. So he was coaching the game on a stool, and his son, R.J., came around, Made a three to win the game, and I, I, you know, the the call uh, was 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 you know one of my favorites not only because of the shot and the drama in the NCAA tournament, but then the the dad, the coach, Ron fell off his stool, and that was a part of my call when I said Ron Hunter has fallen off his stool. Um, So you know, the NCAA tournament does produce some of those incredible moments, and for me, that that's right up there.
0: Of course, uh, the regionals will be here in Albany uh, in March. Uh, they talked to And Would you love to be back in Albany calling games?
1: Yeah, we don't get a say in that, Ken, <laughs> but um, I'm going to start campaigning for that because that would be really neat. I mean, I think about all the events that I've covered in that building from Siena basketball to River Rats hockey. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. If I was able to get that, that would be incredible. Again, I don't get a say in that. But I, my vote is to go there.
0: How's that? How about if I talk to everybody at CBS Sports and get you to try to convince them to get you here?
1: Yeah, I think you should start that campaign. <laughs>
0: I'm on board. All right. Well, Andrew, this has been a fun conversation. Great catch up with you. Give my best to Jessica and, uh, and the family. And uh, uh, hopefully if you're here in Albany in the March, we'll get together for uh, some dinner or something.
1: That'd be great, Ken. Thanks for having me, and keep up the great work with your podcast and at the Daily Gazette.
0: Well, I appreciate it, Andrew, and congratulations once again on that honor uh, to be inducted to the Hall of Fame. You don't know when that's going to be yet?
1: No, we're still trying to sort out
0: some dates, but thank you. I really appreciate it. All right, that's Andrew Catalan. The Union Women's College Hockey Season starts Friday. I'll preview that next here on the Parting Shots Podcast.
3: I'll never forget the day I decided to go out for the football team. Mr. Banks, the JV football coach and my history teacher, asked me to stay after class. I thought I was in trouble. He said, hey, Darius, have you thought about going out for football? I think you'd be great. Fact is, I never played football. Fact is, I never had anyone tell me I'd be great at something. So, with no experience at all, I signed up and a week later, I padded up and was running drills on the field. I never was great, but playing high school sports was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I was accepted by my teammates, and I learned that when someone believes in you, you can believe in yourself. Encourage a student you know to take part in a high school sport. This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam. You're listening to the Party Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott.
0: Welcome back to the podcast. The Union College women's hockey team opens its 2022-23 campaign on Friday when it visits New Hampshire for a two-game series. The Dutch women returned to play last season after setting out the 2020-21 season because of the coronavirus pandemic. It was a rough year in 2021-22 for Union as it went 2-20 and in ECAC hockey play and 5-28-1 overall. Scoring goals was an issue for the Dutch women last season. They averaged just over a goal a game and were shut out 14 times. So, what's in store for this season? For starters, a difficult start to the season. Union's first eight games are on the road, including the conference openers at Clarkson and St. Lawrence on October 28th and 29th. The team held its media day Monday. I have three interviews for you. Let's start with the head coach of the Dutch women, Josh Skiba. Josh, uh, you guys have really a, a tall task starting this season. Eight games to open the season on the road. What are the expectations, and how difficult of a schedule is this going to be? The first eight games.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's great for the group to get on the road. I think it's it's really good for for our women to be around each other and be on the bus and and build some camaraderie with each other. And I think um, I think honestly they're excited for it. So. Uh, it's, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, anytime you go on the road, it's always challenging to go into a different team's home rink and, and win hockey games. But for us, again, the focus is just getting better every day um, and, and trying to continue to, to build our brand in terms of how we want to play.
0: Is, I mean, is there a goal you guys want I mean, to Obviously, you want to win the games, but is there something you're looking for besides wins that you want to take into league play? Obviously, you have, and looking at that schedule too, you have two weeks off between uh, you know, the last non conference games and when you started league play.
2: Yeah, I think when we, when we talk about just building our brand, I think we're trying to focus more on process-oriented goals this year and you know, letting everything else take care of itself. And I think you know, we, we've tried to add some framework and a little bit of structure to our offensive zone and, and try to kind of flip the script a little bit. When I think you think about the team and you think about the game is you build a little bit from the defensive zone out, and I think we want to try and own the offensive zone a little bit more. And I think coming off a year where we scored you know, 1.2 goals a game and shut out 14 times, like we've got to find a way to create more offense and score more goals so I think just trying to to create some more framework to to build on offensively and if we can really hone in on that stuff and continue to build defensively I think that'll kind of build our brand for what we want to accomplish going into league play.
0: Yeah, You mentioned the uh, offense and the fact you were shut out 14 times where is the goal
2: scoring coming from? Well, I think it's it's going to have to be by committee right now. You know, I think that's, you know, we've, we've got more depth. I think we've got a really driven group of women in that freshman class that I think want to contribute and will contribute right away. And it's going to have to be by committee, which for us is is something that, you know, we need everybody in that locker to contribute in some way to, for us to win hockey games.
0: Uh, as far as the goal setting, obviously Sophie had a, Good year last year. I mean you expect more out of her again like that this year?
2: Yeah, we do. I think she's you know she's someone that I think is prepared. I think she's focused, she's ready to take over that starting role for us. Um certainly it's gonna be earned by by her. Um and she's gonna be pushed from from behind by Hope and, and Emily as well. But um I think Ho- I think Sophie's really prepared to, to take on that role.
0: What you, what are you expecting out of the season? I mean, this is you know, this is the last year without scholarship players. Uh, You guys have never not made the playoffs. I mean, this this whole program has not made the uh, ECAC playoffs. Uh, Obviously, that's the goal to try to get in there. But what do you have to do to get there?
2: Uh, again, just we, we want to, it's more process oriented for us. We've got to make sure that we capture more key moments within a game. And, you know, when I talk about building our brand, it's just finding ways that, you know, scoring goals is the outcome, right? And, and winning hockey games is the outcome. We want to find ways to create more scoring chances, to win puck races so that we have possession so that we can get the puck to the net. Uh, finding ways to be better at the net front, finding ways to possess the puck a little bit better offensively, finding ways to keep the puck moving a little bit more predictable. So, um, you know, we're not in our defensive zone as long, and just I think the more we can capture those key moments, I think it'll lead to success. It'll lead to wins. It'll lead to more goals scored. Um, you know, it'll keep the puck out of our net a lot more often. So,
0: and finding ways to bury that puck when you have the chance. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Emily King is named captain. Uh, why? What? What is it about her leadership that makes her uh, a, a good captain?
2: Yeah, she's she. If you if you looked at her maybe four years ago when she started her career, you know I don't even know if she might have been in that conversation to be a leader of this hockey team. And I think just how she's matured, and I think the fire and the passion that she brings to the rink every day is something that really rubs off on a lot of our our women in our locker room. And I think. You know, she's the honest kid that we need to, to take over this group right now. She's, she's someone that the girls can go to, but she'll push her line mates. She makes people better. Um, and I think her confidence and stuff is just palpable. You can feel it, and I think we need that kind of emotional leader in our locker room right now. Is there one particular uh,
0: first-year player that you, th- you think would be an impactful player?
2: Um, I think, you know, not necessarily one. Um, I think just there... As a group right now you can feel that they're a very driven there's a very professional approach from them right now there's just a different feel where uh, there's no nonsense for them at practice they're, there's a high energy they care a lot um, they you know they put in the time they put in the work in the offseason they come in in great shape so um, just a much different feel much more professional and they feel like they, they want it they want to to make a change here and I think our upperclassmen have felt that and it's, it's probably the most genuine that we've had since my time here and uh, you know I think we've, we felt that a little bit in the scrimmage game a little bit from their presence and their contributions but I think as we go in and they build more confidence I'm really excited to see what they can do.
0: As far as the recruiting trail right now with the scotomy I'm not sure how many scholarships you have for next year at this point but Are you seeing a difference right now in being able to recruit the kind of player that could make an impact here down the road?
2: Yeah, I think the caliber of, of athletes that we're talking to right now are certainly going to help us. I think just um, you know being able to add players that can come in and play big minutes right away that we know, hey, they have an element to their game that we need in our locker room. So, yeah, the caliber of athlete, the experiences that they've had so far, um, you know, kids that have been either part of national team or will be in the future, um, just the caliber of it I think we're having conversations with and people on campus like that, so it's, it's going really well right now. Senior defenseman
0: Emily King is the team's returning leading scorer. She had four goals, nine assists, and 34 games last season. As you heard in my interview with Josh Skiba, King will be the team captain. Here is Emily King. Well, Emily, you guys have really a tall task at the start of the season, eight games to opening on the road. What is that going to be like, and how important is it to at least come away with a couple of wins before you finally play a home game?
4: I think it'll be nice to get out um, I'm just happy to be playing I think that some people are a little worried about less time in the classroom and that might be a little bit of added stress but I think that once we get there and we're dialed we'll just push through and we're really good in the classroom and on the ice so I think that if we can just find a way to balance it out uh, we can come out with some wins.
0: The first six games are nine league games you, and after that you got like two weeks off before you start uh, conference play so what what is the goal of these first six games. Uh, what do you want to see happen? What uh, does Josh want to see happen?
4: Um, we've been following this uh, crawl, walk, and then run sort of motto and right now we're crawling because we have a lot of new freshmen, um, basically new year, new team, and so we're doing the bones right now. We're learning all of our systems and the small little details and then as these games progress um, before we hit conference games we'll be hopefully Running by the first conference game.
0: You guys were shut out 14 times last year. Where is the goal scoring going to come from this year?
4: The players. I mean, we're just we gotta uh, dig down and we gotta find a way to get the puck in the back of the net. I think it starts in practice every day, and we've been doing a lot better. I mean, we scored um, on Saturday, which is the start, and then that was only our first preseason game, and I I think that we have a lot of good new goal scorers this year, so I'm I'm not worried.
0: Obviously, this team has yet to make the postseason and ECAC play. What do you have to do to finally break that spell?
4: Uh, We have to score more like (laughs) we were just talking about. And then I just think if we stay determined, and stay disciplined on and off the ice, I think that th- we have a really good group of girls this year, and um, especially the freshman class is really dialed already, and I'm, I'm excited to see what we can do um, in the next coming weeks and the rest of the season.
0: I mean, how, what is the confidence level this, with this team heading into uh, Friday's game?
4: I think we're pretty confident. I mean... Like I was saying, it's a new year, new team. We have a lot of new faces, but they're all really good and very dialed. And everyone wants to win. And just some good luck and some practice, I think we'll we'll be good.
0: You're wearing the C uh, on your uh, uniform there as the captain. Uh, what does that mean to you? And what is your role as a leader of this team?
4: Um, I'm really honored to have been voted captain. I I love the people around me and my teammates. I mean, I I'm so thankful that they felt that I was able to be in this role. Um, I think that one thing I've been good at over the years is leading by example of how hard I work. And I think that um, I think that it's helped me gain confidence to continue to be that player and that person for the team. And I, I'm excited to see everybody and uh, work with everybody. And I don't know, I'm just very thankful. <laughs>
0: Goalie Sophie Moustakas played in 15 games last season, posting a 3-11 record with a 3.83 goals against average and two shutouts. With the departure of Olivia Rinzel, the sophomore Moustakas should get the majority of the playing time this season. Here is Sophie Moustakas. Sophie, uh, you guys really have a tall task to start the season. Eight games on the run. Another separation There's uh, two weeks off between this Game 6 and Game 7. But what? how important is it to get off to a decent start Uh, on the road and especially when you head into league play?
5: I think it's really important just like getting our team together and like figuring out all the systems and like like figuring out our play and like getting that going and like obviously we want to be, like we want to win those games but like those are our games before league play and league play is the most important so like getting prepared for those league games like that's the most important thing and that's where we're headed like thinking of doing or planning on doing for those out-of-conference games I
0: mean how important I me mean, obviously you want to win them all but how important is it to maybe play well in those games even if you don't win you need to play well and get some confidence
5: um, it's really important. It's really important. Like, if we get that confidence, or when we get that confidence, like, it'll help us for the league play, and we'll be confident going in. Like, if we, when we win these games, we go on and keep being positive about everything. Like, we'll have a like positive look for the league games, and like, hopefully that brings on to the league games.
0: Uh, speaking of the league, I mean, this program is yet to make the postseason. Uh, what do you guys got to do to finally, you know, break that hex and get? into the playoffs
5: i think we just got to keep working hard and following like our systems and like continue to do that like we have a game plan we want to make the playoffs and i think we have a team that like they really want to get there and like they will do anything to get there so just have like the mentality and the work ethic to get there um, and just keep pushing and like working hard and that will help us eventually get there
0: how important is it for your, your role as the goaltender uh to you know keep the puck out of the net because this team, you know, last year struggled to score goals, and I mean, we don't know what's going to be like this year. So, how important is it, and how much pressure is on you to you know, stop the puck?
5: I think it's really important. Obviously, I need to stay, or not me specifically, but our goalie um, squad needs to stay uh, focused and into the game every game, and like stand on their head and like be the backbone for the team. And I know that that gives a whole bunch of confidence to our team. And like once if they know that we are in the net, we're there for the team, that that will give them confidence and that will push them to get out of their comfort zone and try new things and lead us to the win.
0: Do you like this team this year? I mean, do you think this team could, you know, do something?
5: Yeah, I definitely do. I I like how we have so much more work ethic than we have in the past and we have so much like more want to win and want to be better and want to succeed and like that. I think that's what's going to help us get all these wins, like hopefully get on the win and like get up there in the standings.
0: The Gazette's Adam Schindler joins me next to talk high school football as we look back at Week 2 and look ahead to Week 3 in the Section 2 high school football season. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students
3: in New York. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association.
0: Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports reporter Will Springstead. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. It's time to talk high school football with uh, the Gazette's Adam Schinder And uh, Adam, a week two matchup we looked at. CBA and Shaker lived up to it. Spilling an overtime game. Uh, I had a chance to watch some of that uh, on Spectrum News here in the office. And it was just a a blast. And Shaker goes for two to try to win the game and doesn't get it. Just a a great game.
3: Yeah, delivered everything you would have uh, hoped from two teams that are going in as two of the the big favorites in double-A heading into this season. Shaker... Uh, they've lost two games, both to CBA, but different CBAs. They lost to CBA Syracuse in Week 1. You know, two teams you would expect there's a good chance we see them again later in the season, uh, matchup, but we would have thought that last year, too, and Shaker ended up getting knocked off in the sectional semifinals. I mean, it
0: looked like for a time CBA was going to run away that game. They held the ball in the first quarter for almost the entire first quarter. I mean, just 11 minutes or so, and I think it was a 21-7 at one point, but Shaker, you know, give them a lot of credit. They came back, battled, and it just it was just a – Hell of a football game. To yeah, watch. they
3: have they have a super balanced offense. You know, they've never really featured one guy uh, that's not Coach Greg Sheeler's thing. Spreads the ball around. Got a lot of different guys involved, and uh, their quarterback Jake Cabaccio made some big plays down the stretch. Just uh, CBA's defense came up big when. Uh, when Shaker made the risk, took the risk in overtime going for two, it's a, it's a risk you always take. But in high school football, an extra point is a 50-50 shot most of the time. Yeah. Um, the game you covered last Friday,
0: this uh, Una uh, hosting uh, LaSalle at Schenectady. It was a, the game marked the return of John Aldino to Schenectady, the former Union College football coach. It was kind of surprising. I mean, he's been in the area a little while. Uh, ever since you know he was you now like go union I'm surprised he hasn't been back in yeah he's too.
3: been he's been coaching at LaSalle since uh, since 2018 now and when you think about it unless they played Schenectady which they're not uh, unless they played a crossover unless they played a crossover game that's not uh, it's not a game that you would you'd see on a yearly basis they're the only team in the Schenectady city limits and the only reason they play uh, that game in Schenectady is because Niskayuna's fields under construction. The funny part is Niskayuna is playing at least one game this year at Union College. It would have been uh, really, <laughs> really interesting if that if that game had been against LaSalle instead of being a little more than a mile away up at uh, Larry Mulvaney Field. Well, what was the
0: schedule maker thinking? I mean,
3: well, come on, that's, that's uh, a perfect. It would surprise <laughs> me if LaSalle had said, let's not have John play that game uh, at his old stomping grounds. But a uh, an impressive performance by the LaSalle defense against a Niskayuna offense that's still... Uh, Really figuring itself out has some talent, but uh, trying to work a new quarterback in, and uh, you know a good start for LaSalle that ran up to two really good AA teams in those first two weeks of the season.
0: Another game we covered last week, and we have to talk to Amsterdam about this. Stop playing three-hour games. Yeah. I mean, they scored sixty of mm-hmm. in a rally against uh, Queensbury. My goodness, I mean that game took forever. We almost <laughs>
3: didn't get it in the paper. Yeah. I, I have made this statement about the Amsterdam Rams uh, for about a half decade now. Uh, there's a thing that goes by in in NFL Twitter that the Seattle Seahawks have never played a normal game, especially in prime time. And Amsterdam is just like that. Amsterdam, when they played week one, just 132 to six against Schenectady, that was about the most normal game they've played in three years. They play wild, wild games. And when you play at Amsterdam and you throw in the fact that they probably have more going on uh, with the band pre and post game and, senior stuff, and they retired uh, Brian Stanovich's number uh, in between quarters there Friday night. They play wild, wild games that tend to take a very long time. They're playing on Saturday afternoon this week we are very thankful. Yes, we are. And I
0: felt bad for Will Springstead who covered that game. He seems like he gets stuck with those. Yeah, long yeah.
3: Games. Will Will and and Stan Hootie have had their share of uh, some very very long Amsterdam games that are they're entertaining. I'll give them that. But they are they are for someone on deadline. They are a ball of stress. <laughs> yeah.
0: So well, let's take a look at the uh, power rankings in uh, Class Double A. We'll start with the uh, CBA on top, followed by Shenandoah. Gildelin, Shaker, and Saratoga Springs.
3: Yeah, we got the three undefeated teams. CBA, Shen, Gildelin, right up top. Uh, CBA's gone out. They've been very, very... They, you know, they played They played two pretty good uh, Class A teams to start out. in LaSalle and Burn Hills. Hold off Shaker in the game that was pretty much going to determine... Uh, the number the number one team in our rankings uh, this week. Shen uh, has been impressive uh, against LaSalle and Schenectady. Hasn't really faced a test yet and probably won't uh, for another week or two. Gilderland's gone out, won two straight games. Again, really looking for a big test. Shaker is, is, has... You know they were very impressive in their win over Queensbury, and they faced a state champion and a sectional champion in their two losses. CBA Saratoga's kind of a wild card team. They lost to Balsam Spa out of the gate, but they've uh, they reeled off two two good wins. They play Gilderland this week, and that's a game that well, we're going to mention in a bit. That's a game I'm really looking forward to uh, to see where where things stand. Yeah,
0: well, we're in Class A. We have Burn Hills, Boston Lake on top, followed by Boston Spa, Amsterdam, Avon Park, and a tie with LaSalle and Troy. Uh, we, we were talking about Boston Spa after a three and zero start,
3: uh, sort of an under under the radar. Yeah, Boston Spa's a team that's kind of come out. They they did this last year as well. Uh, they played up two weeks in a row. They won those games both impressively. They were impressive last week against Columbia. Uh, the thing we'll be able to gauge this week, they beat this. The we'll be able to gauge this week and next week, Boston Spa. Their their biggest test is probably week zero against Saratoga. They went out and played Colony. They went out and played uh, Columbia. They've taken care of business. They should have a pretty uh, should be able to take care of business this week against Albany as well. They're just a team that it's going to be interesting to gauge. They have a chance to be really really good, but they're not going to be tested for a good while. Burn Hills, on the other hand, they went out they played CBA week uh, week one pretty close. Pulled out a win against an Averill Park team. Uh, shut them out against an Averill Park team that's been pretty good. So that's probably where our voting ended up uh, going on. Uh, where is a team that's got a loss, is ahead of the two, uh, the actual three undefeated teams. Boston Spa, Amsterdam, Troy undefeated as well. Troy really hasn't been tested yet, and they'll get a big one uh, this week against LaSalle. Yep.
0: Over in Class B, we have a tie for the top between Gloversville and Glens Falls, followed by Ravina, Coyman, Selkirk, Scotia, Glenville, and Shelmont with Lansingburg. Receiving votes.
3: Yeah, Gloversville and Glens Falls have gone out. They've uh, they've been undefeated. They're kind of on a collision course uh, later on this season. Glens Falls got a little revenge uh, from last year's uh, upset section two semifinal loss uh, to uh, to Ravina. Ravina taking care of business. Otherwise, they look very good against Scotia. Very good against Shalmont. Scotia is a team that's looked very good since uh, their opening loss. They've uh, pulled off a couple of back-to-back wins. Chalmont got on the board, uh, got a win last week against Green Tech. And uh, Lansingburg is a team that's stuck with some teams, uh, but looks like they might be just a step up, step behind
0: them. Yeah, let's move over to Class C, and uh, Skylarville's on the top, followed by by Fonda, Fultonville, Warrensburg, North Warren, Lake George. That's that tr- three-team uh, monster <laughs> from Allen Perth. And Who's It Falls, Tamarack with Coblesco, Richmondville, and Stillwater receiving votes. Another team that I like balls and spot a little bit on the Raiders, is Broad Alvin-Perth. Yeah, Broad
3: Alvin-Perth, they've been on the road the first three weeks. They haven't played the toughest schedule, but they've allowed six points through three games. It's been a really good start uh, under their new head coach, Rick Wallace. Uh, they've gone out, they've posted back-to-back big margins of victory against uh, Ichabod Crane and Hudson. They finally get to come home this week against Taconic Hills, so uh, looks like a good run for, for a 4-0 start for the, this five undefeated teams uh, in Class B, the, in Class C. The top four, Schuylerville, Fonda, Warrensburg, North Warren, Lake George, and BP. Cobleskill-Richmondville's undefeated as well. Uh, just sees Hoosick Falls-Tamrak had a really impressive win against a, a Stillwater team that did look very good uh, thus far. This one... We're going to start to finally see some of these teams face each other over the next few weeks. Uh, but right now, Skylerville and Fonda look really, really good. Warrensburg, North Warren, Lake George hasn't been tested yet, but they've outscored their opponents 195-6, to six, so we can give them a little benefit of the doubt.
0: And finally, Class D, uh, Cambridge-Salem on top, followed by Greenwich, Voorheesville, Chatham, uh, Can and Jerry Fort play with Elderberg Valley getting some votes. Yeah,
3: Cambridge-Salem took care of business against uh Ken Jerry Fort. Kind last week. Greenwich pulled out a win over Voorheesville, and that kind of gives them a little, uh, you know, the advantage there. Voorheesville's looked very good. Everyone else they've played. Chatham hasn't really had a chance to go up against some of these teams yet. Can Jerry Fort play. This is a team where the bottom of this class, the bottom... After, after the top three these teams are gonna shuffle I would think uh, as they face each other and this game just season just kind of sets up for when we eventually get Cambridge and Greenwich uh, which will probably establish our playoff seating.
0: yeah before we get into uh, the uh, matchups for the you're your highlighting for the weekend uh, strong quarterback crop we're seeing here in section two
3: yeah I really wanted to point this out we've had this is maybe as good a uh, especially a threat of group of dual-threat quarterbacks who can kind of do everything. Uh, Donald Jones, CBA quarterback, is just an electric runner. Had 200-plus rushing yards. They gave him the ball almost 40 times yeah. uh, against against Shaker. The only thing you may be worried about, is a smaller guy, is him running that many times as the season moves on, absorbing that many hits. But an incredible playmaker. Uh, Jivalon, the Amsterdam quarterback. Uh, was our offensive player of the year last year and is off to an even better start this year. Seven touchdown passes and a touchdown run. Counted for eight touchdowns, about 480 yards yeah. the total offense. He's run for 100 plus yards both games. Uh, just, Just a Big-time playmaker. Uh, We mentioned Jake Iacobaccio. Shaker did that as well. And then down in the smaller schools, Fondas Jackson uh, Cusack, who didn't become their starter until midseason last year, had one of the great all-around games in three phases of the game you'll see. pass for three touchdowns, ran for a touchdown, returned two (laughs) kickoffs for touchdowns, And he intercepted two passes. And That's the way
0: to do it, man. That's the way to do it. So let's look at the matchups uh, this weekend in Week 3, starting in Class AA, uh, Gildan going to Saratoga
3: Springs. Yeah, this is a prove-it game uh, for Saratoga. Uh, for the last few years, uh, with, an, with the 18 Class A, it's been a pretty defined, these four teams are going to the playoffs, these four teams are playing behind, uh, where... CBA, Shaker, Shen, and Gilderland have been the four established playoff teams. Schenectady, Saratoga, Colony, and Bethlehem have been the clear second tier. If we're going to get one of those teams bumping up, uh, this will be a game that lets us know if Saratoga is competitive or can beat Gilderland at home. This is a big game for the Blue Streaks. So look looked good the last couple of weeks.
0: And in uh, Class A, we're going with two games. First, we'll start with Queensbury going to Niskayuna. Of course,
3: that game being played at Schenectady. Uh, that game being played yeah, at, yeah, at Schenectady. Yeah. And it's a good. Uh, we're finally into division play uh, in Class A. And uh, this one is going to be interesting to see. It's just a good measuring ground game for uh, for how the Grosso division is going to to sort itself out. If Burnhill's is the clear number one team, uh, last year this was a mess behind it between Boston Spock, Queensbury, and Niskiyuna. So this is at least going to give us uh, a look. Queensbury, very explosive offensively. You know, they put up 35 points in a half against Amsterdam last week. They've given up 114 points uh, in two games. So maybe this is a good chance for a Una offense uh, that's really trying to find its identity to find a little bit. Yeah.
0: And then the battle of Troy on Friday night between Troy
3: and they'll be going to LaSalle. Yeah, Collar City Cup game. Uh, Troy, uh, new coach Chris Stacks, won his first couple of games. And LaSalle has played two, re- played two really tough opponents. They played CBA and Shen right out of the gate. The offense is still you know sorting itself out. Uh, but the, the defense has the potential to be very, very good, especially up front. And, uh, again, this is a game that's going to let us know how, the probably the game in the capital division that lets us know how things sort out the most.
0: I have one uh, more game for you in Class B. Scotia Glenville is hosting Gloversville.
3: Yeah, this is a, again, it's a prove-it game. Scotia lost to, to Ravina first week out. They've come back with back-to-back wins. Uh, and this one for the, the Tartans, if they can be right with Gloversville, uh that's a potential uh to see if you know who that who that fourth playoff team uh in class B is going to be you know Gloversville, Glens Falls Ravenna seem like they're pretty comfortable in those spots but between Scotia Lansingburg Chalmont, uh Hudson Falls this will be interesting this will be a game where uh if the Tartans, it's a team that I think we'd like we'd like to see uh be a team that can really step up and and make a potential exp- uh impression they weren't too far off Ravenna in Week 1, and is a very, very good team.
0: Uh, Adam, appreciate it. I, mean, I think we should stress here, all the coaches and athletic directors uh, on this podcast here, that it is important for you guys we hey, we love to cover all these games, we just don't have the manpower, but it's important for you guys to provide the information to us mm-hmm. by emailing it at sports at dailygazette.com We uh, would appreciate you guys doing that.
3: Yeah, and uh, we know it's tough. Football's arguably the hardest yeah. uh, to submit, especially on, on a relatively tight deadline, but you know, it, we can we can't be everywhere at once and we'd love to get your games in and yes, email is the best way, you know, if you can get it in as soon as you're done, we
0: love you. it saves those phone calls and complaining about it. So
3: Adam, appreciate it, we'll do it again next week. Thank
0: you very much. Alright, that's Adam Shinder. We're back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners in the Daily Gazette's You Pick Football and Auto Racing Contest. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast.
4: What does the 50th anniversary of Title IX mean? It means I'm valued, I'm empowered, I can do anything. It means I'll pave the way for every girl who plays high school sports in the future. Just like every female student, coach, official, and administrator blazed the trail for me. Because every student deserves the opportunity to play. Encourage girls you know to participate in New York high school sports.
3: This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association.
2: Hello, this is John D. Augustine, the publisher at the Daily Gazette. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast
0: with Daily Gazette sports editor, Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 2 winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football contest was Mark DiCaprio of Queensbury with 14 victories. Mark wins a $100 Hannaford gift card. Congratulations, Mark. The VIP winner was Scott Lucier of Capital Land GMC. I was nine and seven last week, while my colleague Adam Schindler was seven and nine. We are both seventeen, fourteen, and one after two weeks. I'll announce the winner of the U Pickem football contest, and that winner's name will appear in Thursday's Daily Gazette. To play in the contest, go to DailyGazette.com and click on the U Pickem football banner. The week twenty-nine winner in the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest was Greg English of Amsterdam with thirty-five points. Greg wins a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Greg. The VIP winners were Scott Lucier of Capital Land GMC. Boy, he had a good week. And Jessica Woodruff of Dave's Gourmet Burgers with 30 points each. I'll announce the winner of the Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest. And that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. To play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the Auto Racing Contest banner. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on how COVID-19 is affecting us in the Capital Region. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this situation. We appreciate the job you are doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast I want to thank Andrew Catalan, Josh Skiba, Emily King, Sophie Moustakas, and Adam Schinder for coming on the show. On next week's podcast, I will preview the Union College men's hockey season. Give it a listen. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette Company. The Party Shots Podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I'm Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Party Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.